0: about that singing. We're going to have a young men's choir here very soon. Let's take God's Word and turn to Matthew chapter 15, if you would please. want to look together at an, a very encouraging account. You may be familiar with this story. It's a true account of just one of the different people that Jesus met whilst living on this earth. Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse number 21. Matthew 15, beginning in verse number 21. We read... Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. By the way, I'll just comment here at this time that the Jews tried to avoid Tyre and Sidon. They tried to avoid that location because that's where uh, there were many ungodly people, certainly not Jewish people, Canaanitish people who who, uh, did not believe in the One true living God that certainly had some twisted views and so they avoided that place but here's Jesus going into the place where most religious people avoided. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but to the unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before thee now with thy word opened. This is not our word, but thine. We have not given this book to thee, but thou hast given it unto us. And we are mindful that because man is not the author of it, and because man is not the mind behind it, behind it, we are aware that we cannot understand it unless thy Holy Spirit impart unto us knowledge. So we pray, open the eyes of our understanding even tonight. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive these truths tonight. Oh, teach us from thy word. Breathe new life into those who need it the most for we ask it in Jesus name and for his sake amen this is a most uh, an amazing account a remarkable true story of one of the events and occasions of Christ living and walking in this world it's just one of the people whom Jesus greatly changed. That's encouraging to me that nobody ever really left the same after they met the Savior. Not everybody believed, no doubt about it. But no one was left the same. Those who were unbelieving, perhaps they met the Savior and heard Him, but they left harder than when they first met Him. But those who met Him and understood who He was and believed Him to be who He claimed to be, those people left eternally changed. And tonight it is my prayer that there may be someone here or someone watching who may meet the Savior this very evening and leave eternally changed. You know the story. Briefly, you have this woman with a daughter who is grievously vexed with a devil. She is possessed and troubled and demonized. This little girl's life is a grievously vexed life. And the mother has done all she can for this little girl. No doubt about it, she'd been to many a religious man and Perhaps she's paid much money and maybe she has gone to doctors. She has done everything she can to have her daughter delivered. And so would you, wouldn't you? If you had a daughter that had been grievously vexed, would you not do all you could to see her delivered? Would you not give all you had just to see your daughter set free? And I think that probably this woman had come to her wit's end She didn't know what else to do, didn't know where else to go until Jesus passed by. Maybe you're here this evening and for a long time you have been seeking salvation. You have wanted to be saved and you have tried all of the anecdotes that preachers have given and Perhaps you heard me say before in the words of Gypsy Smith, Rodney Smith, go home and draw a circle around yourself and get on your knees in prayer and stay there until you believe and found out that God has truly set you free. And maybe you've spent many a nights in prayer on your knees seeking God and asking him to save you but not feeling any difference, not knowing any relief. Maybe you've gone to every meeting you could possibly go to and you've Prayed a million times, God be merciful to me a sinner. But yet today you still feel as lost as ever. Maybe you feel as if you are beyond hope. Beyond saving. Beyond healing. Perhaps that's the condition you find yourself in tonight. But we have in this story some wonderful encouragements about your present Situation. I believe God teaches us in this account that there is good in affliction. That there is good in difficult times. Now the last thing we usually find in a time of trouble and distraction and difficulty, the last thing we usually find is good, isn't it? In fact, often we are so eager to be delivered from our troubles and from our present circumstances that we are begging and pleading with God to get us out of this mess that we often miss something good that may be found in it. But bear with me for a moment. Think about this woman. Here is a Canaanite woman who culturally is as far away from the one true living God as is humanly possible. This woman is... Has no chance, humanly speaking, no chance to come to meet the Savior. No chance of the Savior coming to her because being a Jew, he wasn't going there. Naturally speaking, here was a woman dead in trespasses and sins far from the kingdom of God. But it was the affliction of her child that was actually used to bring her to the Savior. Think about that for a moment. It was the affliction of her child. It was trouble that brought her to Christ, not prosperity. Everybody wants prosperity today. But it's trouble that often brings us to the Savior. It was trouble that taught her how to pray, not blessing. I dare say we rarely learn how to pray in times and seasons of blessing we rarely learn how to walk with Christ in seasons of prosperity because when things are going well and we are prosperous and our health is good and our bank, is, bank account is fat and swelling, we rarely fall to our knees in dependence upon God. But oh, the change when trouble comes. Oh, how our thinking seems to change when something difficult comes. Were it not for her daughter's affliction, this woman more than likely would have died in her sins. Eternally a stranger to Christ. Were it not for her daughter's brokenness, this woman would have never met the Savior. And in this way, it was good for her to be afflicted. The psalmist understood this principle in Psalm chapter 119 Psalm 119 verse 67. Now do not misunderstand me. I am not saying it's good to be afflicted just for the sake of being afflicted. But I am saying it's good to be afflicted if it brings you to Christ. It isn't good for you to be afflicted if it doesn't bring you to Christ. The psalmist understood this in Psalm 119 and verse 67. He writes and says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Before trouble came, I was wandering away. Before something bad happened, boy, I was on my way far from God. And then affliction came, trouble came, and it was the very tool that brought me back to God. That's what he's saying. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word? Because before the trouble, he wasn't keeping a word. Before the tragedy, before the difficult thing, he was wandering. In the 71st verse, it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn by statutes. Parents, we know what it is, don't we? When a child steps out of line, when a child is disobedient, we understand that It is chastening or discipline that teaches. It is oftentimes that, that kind of a punishment or response that causes a child to learn. I learned many lessons the hard way, you might say. And uh, I think the Lord allows us in mercy to walk through troubles that we might learn his word in his law. Trials cause us to think. Trials and afflictions oftentimes serve us. Sent by the Lord to wean us off of the world, to make us hate this world, to make us hate the things of this world, and to drive us to our knees. Health is good, no doubt about it, but sickness is far better if it brings us closer to God. Prosperity is great, but adversity and poverty is greater if it leads us to Christ. J.C. Ryle, great bishop of Liverpool, once said this, It is better a thousand times to be afflicted like the Canaanitish mother and like her to flee to Christ than to live at ease like the rich fool And die without Christ and without hope. I believe there are many comfortable, wealthy, prosperous, rich fools. Who are on their way to hell. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Far better is it for you tonight to have affliction of heart and mind. And to be brought to Christ than to be prosperous and be away from him. Now we learn something else in this account tonight. We learn that perseverance is key. Perseverance in prayer. Look at it with me in verse verse number 22. This woman comes and cries, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. That's a cry of desperation. Have mercy. I don't deserve it, but grant it to me, thou son of David. She acknowledged who Christ was. She explained her petition. And the Bible says in verse 23, he answered her not a word. Would you look this way? Sometimes it seems like God is not even listening. You ever been there before? Have you ever been at the place when you're praying and crying out to God but it, sa- it seems like God's not listening. Well, I know that it appeared to this woman and to everyone around this woman it appeared like Jesus was ignoring her because he answered her not a word. Didn't even look at her. And if you're not careful, you you'll be tempted to think that that initial silence is God not interested. That's a lie from Satan. Do not believe it. That's a lie from the very pits of hell. Do not believe it. He answered her not a word. It seemed like he wasn't listening, but the Bible says that she continued. She was persevering. He answered her not a word and his disciples came and besought him. It's interesting, every once in a while you meet somebody who bears the name of Christian, who calls himself a child of God, and they are so unlike Christ. It's interesting to me that these people thought, these disciples also misunderstood Jesus' silence. The child of God also misunderstood the silence of Jesus. They thought that he didn't want her to be there. And therefore, they said, Send her away, get rid of her. It is an embarrassing thing to the kingdom of God when God's children sound like this. It is a crime of the highest degree when God's children send people away. Send her away. She doesn't belong with us, she's not a Jew. Send her away, she's bothering us, she's asking us too much. Send her away. May the Lord help us, each one of us, to never have that mentality or that attitude. She prayed on. The scriptures say, he answered and said. He was silent at first. The disciples said, send her away. And when he does finally answer the woman, he says, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep, Of the house of Israel. Here's what he's saying. I didn't come for you. I've come for the Jews. Now if that's not enough to send her away. Then I don't know what is. He didn't answer her at all at first. His followers say get rid of her. And then when he does open his mouth. He says I didn't come for her. I didn't come for the Gentile. I came for the Jews. And the Bible says then came she and worshipped him. Would you look here for a moment? This woman understood more about the kingdom of God than the disciples did. This woman understood more about the kingdom of God than the disciples did. If you remember, the disciples thought by and large that the kingdom of God was for the nation of Israel only. Paul later on explains to us throughout the scriptures that not everyone who is Israel is Israel indeed. But only those who believe He then begins to explain that the kingdom of God is opened for all, Jew and Gentile, for all who would believe. We find that in the Old Testament as well. It's not just a New Testament principle, by the way. You find that all through the pages of Scripture. She came and worshipped him. Would you look this way? I wonder, do you worship God when it sounds like and seems like he's not answering you? Do you still worship God when it feels like he's not listening? I know so many people who only worship God when things are going well. Who only praise his name as long as their prayers are being answered. I know so many, Bunyan calls them fair weather Christians. They worship him, they adore him, When the weather is nice like today. Oh, they'll come out and serve him as long as the sun is shining. But the moment things get difficult. The moment things are not enjoyable or they don't feel so good. Then they stop. I know people like that. That's how they treat church sometimes. They'll come as long as they get what they want. But as soon as they don't get what they want, they're gone. They're looking for another church. They're looking for somewhere else where they'll feel good or get something. It proves how little faith they have. But here's a woman who said, I'm going to keep praying, keep seeking until I'm answered. She kept on when there was no response. She kept on when the people of God wanted to put her away. She kept on when he opened his mouth and it wasn't the answer she was looking for. She prayed on. I don't care what you think you've heard from God. I don't care what news you get from the doctors. I don't care what anybody tells you. Pray on. I don't care what the nurse says. I don't care what your financial advisor says. Pray on. Keep praying. She came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. This woman understood she had no one but him. Can I tell you tonight, if you're not saved, your only hope is Jesus. Not a pastor, not a church, not a person. Your only hope is the person of Jesus Christ. Your only hope. If you are facing a trial and a tragedy, your only hope is the Lord. Your only prayer are those three words, Lord, help me. What urgency. Now, he responds to her again. And it sounds even worse. But he answered and said, it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. Now, I don't know about you, but if If I were this woman, I would have given up a long time ago. I don't like that awkward feeling of feeling like I don't belong. I don't like that awkward feeling of feeling like maybe I'm not wanted. But here is a woman who understood that the health and strength and life of her daughter was totally dependent upon this man. And she persevered. The Lord Jesus said it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. The Jewish people looked at Gentiles dogs. And look at her response. Truth, Lord. Do you know what we would have done? How dare you call me a dog? That's the way we would have responded. You're telling the truth, Lord. You're exactly right, Lord. I know who I am, but I know who you are. Truth, Lord, but the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. I don't care if I am a child sitting next to you or a dog at your feet. As long as I can just take, partake of what you have. By the way, that is the kind of hunger that sees prayer answered. That's the kind of urgency and dependency that sees things happen. Do you have it yourself? Or are you one to give up when things don't go the way you want them to go and your prayer isn't answered as quick as you want it to be answered? I don't know how long her daughter was in this condition, but here is a woman who persevered. Everything seemed bad. The disciples didn't want her. The Lord didn't seem to want her. But she kept praying. And she kept believing. And she said just one crumb is enough. Now here's a woman who understood something of the power of God. Here is someone who understood that what she needed was not some big great show. She did not need some great demonstration. All she needed was the tiniest scrap. Of the Lord's power. She understood him to be so mighty, so powerful, so great that just one crumb would do. She didn't need the full, full blown steak dinner at the table. She just needed one crumb. I wonder do you believe and do you trust God's power like that? Do you believe that God is so powerful, so almighty? That you need not all of his power to be displayed with some great public demonstration. But all you need is for one crumb to accidentally, as it were, fall off the table. I believe that one drop of God's grace is enough. One little portion of his mercy will do. Every once in a while we get to praying in such a way that we want some grand explosion of God's power to be set upon us for all for all the world to see. We dream about great publicity through the power of God. But here here's someone who understood just a little. Just a little from the hand of God would do. That's faith. That is faith. In fact, Jesus answered and said, "O oh woman, great is thy faith. It's amazing. We sometimes think that great faith is measured in the great things that we do or the great things that we believe God to do, whereas God sees faith in us understanding that just a little from Him is enough. Because it isn't about us, it's about Him. And just a little from Him will be sufficient. O woman, great is thy faith. And he says something to her that is commonly commonly repeated from the lips of Christ as he walked upon this earth. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. I've oftentimes struggled at those words, not quite understood them, looked for a deeper meaning in them. But I think it's quite simple. I think it's quite plain be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. I believe we are living in a generation of very little faith. I cannot understand it. I do not know how it happened. But we are living in a day when there is less faith than ever before. And the tragedy is there is less faith amongst the people of God. Than there's ever been before. We know it to be true. The scriptures tell us that it would take place. The Lord Jesus said. When the son of man comes. Shall he find faith in all the earth. When the Lord Jesus returns. Will he find his people. Full of faith. Or faithless. And I believe as it stands presently today. God's people. Are starving of faith. Faith. God's people are shriveling up for a lack of faith. Part of it just comes down to simply believing His word. Do you take God at His word? Do you believe His word to be true? Tonight, this very evening, do you believe that God is true? That His word is always true? Do you believe? If so, tonight, there's no reason for you to be lost if you believe his word to be true. For he has promised in his word that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He has promised in his word that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. There are many promises to the unconverted in God's word. The problem isn't with God. The problem is with us. The problem is not that God is not willing to save. The problem is that we often are not willing to be saved. But mark it down. If there's something in your heart, in mind, that desires and wishes to be born again, that is not of the enemy. It isn't Satan that puts within you a desire to be saved. It is Satan that puts within you a desire to postpone. It is Satan that puts within you a desire for the things of this world. It is Satan who encourages you to disbelieve. Not to believe. Christian, child of God, it is Satan that whispers in your ear, you might as well stop praying now. It is Satan who tells you there is no hope. It is Satan who tells you that it will always be like this. It shall never be any different. So get used to it. This is your lot in life. Do not give up. Keep praying. Keep trusting. By faith, keep believing. If there's ever been a time that God's people need faith, it is today. The darker the world gets, the more faith we must have. The colder the world gets around us, the more faith we must have. I wonder today if you have learned what it is to have faith and if you have learned what it is to demonstrate faith. I've been pondering this this afternoon with one of the brethren and thinking about this very thought. It's interesting that James spoke about it as well about demonstrating and showing faith. James wrote and said in chapter 2, Even so faith, verse 17 of James, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Would you look here for a moment, I wonder, How are you showing your faith? Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered up Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture said that it was fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. I wonder this evening, are you showing your faith? Are you demonstrating your faith? And if so, how? How do you prove? How do you show to God And to this world that you indeed have faith. What is the evidence of your faith? I believe that God is looking for his children. To show their faith. By their works. Sometimes people say there's no point in going out to the city center to preach. Nobody cares anymore. Nobody's getting saved anymore. It doesn't work anymore. I heard a brother say that just the other day. Just yesterday someone said it to me. People, we don't go out into the streets anymore because it doesn't work anymore. You've shown us your unbelief, not your faith. Do you believe? Somebody said recently, Sunday schools don't work anymore. Children don't care about God anymore. Parents don't really care anymore and it doesn't work. I've heard people say that. I've heard Christians, so-called mature Christians, say Sunday schools are not found in the Bible. And I could not think of something more evil to say. For it was Jesus who said, Suffer the little children. Let the little children come unto me and forbid them not. Shows how ignorant you may be. That you would not understand the importance and necessity of reaching children with the gospel. I've heard people say many foolish things before. And all it does is declared to the world their unbelief. When Christ comes back, shall he find faith in all the world? Talking does not show faith. Unless, of course, you be preaching or testifying. Sitting down and having a good conversation isn't necessarily showing faith. By our works, we show faith. Tonight, if you're lost, I encourage you. Hear the promises of God and believe them. Lay hold on them. Repeat them back to God. Pray them back to God. Lord, you have told me in your word. If you're facing tragedy, persevere. Pray on and be persistent until he answers. May the Lord help us tonight. Let's bow our heads together in prayer this evening. Father in heaven. We come before thee in the name of Christ, our Lord and Savior. We thank thee that we have such encouragements in the word to persevere. When things look very dark and bleak, when things appear to be unchanging, we ask of thee, Lord, increase our faith, or may we believe in thy goodness and thy grace I pray that we would not let the unbelieving disciples put us away. I pray that we would not let the ungracious followers stop us from coming to thee. Oh, change us, Lord. Make us more like thy son. Forgive us for the days that we've been more like the unbelieving disciples than we have been like our Savior, who is full of mercy, full of grace. I pray for those tonight who are struggling, long to be saved, but struggling with doubts and unbelief. Oh, Lord, help their unbelief. Open their eyes that they might read from thy word the precious promises that were written for them. And may it be granted unto them tonight to see that truly the Lord is good. We do pray for others who are struggling tonight, going through great tragedies and difficulties Lord, help them increase their faith. We pray that the trial may drive them to their knees in prayer, that the tragedy may bring them near to Jesus Christ, and they may learn to hear his voice in a way they've never heard it before. And Lord, we pray at the end of it all, we might get much glory for thee. We commit these things to thee now in the name of Christ, our Lord and Savior, and for his sake, amen.